0: Good morning, everyone. We're moving into the second week of this segment of Believe. And uh, it's prayer. You'll see that in your bulletin. You can see it also here. In fact, I'd like us to just uh, express this together, this statement, this key idea this week under prayer. I pray to God to know him, to find direction for my life, and to lay my requests before him. Having expressed that, let's do it. Let's take a moment and pray. And I'm going to ask you to pray for two things this morning. First, I'd like to ask you to just express prayer for the Marines that, uh, uh, whose helicopters went down off the North Shore. They're, they've widened the search. And pray for them. Pray for their families. And then secondly, I'd like to ask you to pray for yourself, that uh, God would just speak to you. Uh, what he wants you to hear through the message this morning. Let's bow together. Yeah, Lord, we lay these requests before you. In Jesus' name, amen. The practice of prayer is what we're going to talk about uh, this morning, because in this segment, these ten weeks, we're talking about how do we act based on our convictions. Well, this action of prayer relates to the convictions that we talked about in Numbers one and two uh, in the first ten weeks, and that first one was, I believe, the God of the Bible is the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Second one was, I believe that this God cares about and is involved in my daily life. Well, if we believe those things, we're going to pray. We're going to want to get to know this God and to uh, seek his direction and to lay our requests before him. And, And that's what I want us to consider this morning. But I want to tell you a story first. Way back in 1974, in the last century, when Dee and I moved from Nebraska to Salt Lake City to enter the ministry, Uh, the senior pastor wanted to teach me to ski, because he wanted a buddy to ski with him. So, okay, I'm game, so get all the equipment fitted out. And by the way, in those days, when you started skiing, um, how did you know what length of ski? Well, you go to the rental shop, and you reach as high as you can, and that's the length of ski you chose. These days, you know, they've understood no, short skis are better because otherwise when you're going down that hill as a beginner, you'll cross your tips and that can be a problem, okay? But anyway, that's what we did. And so we go up to the mountain up Little Cottonwood Canyon and uh, the slopes. And he says, well, let's try this toe line and the bunny slope. I'll give you a few tips here. So we go up there and skied down there once. He said, okay, I think you got it. Let's go. So we get on the lift, go to the top of the mountain, And it didn't take very long at all to realize I didn't have it. In fact, I started falling. And uh, I can still remember him saying, lean away from the mountain. I'm like, really? It seems like you'd fall down the mountain, but it just seems so unnatural. And so I fell down the mountain all day that day. In fact, one time I asked him, I said, so, hey, Leroy, what what does that black diamond mean? And he said, well, he confessed. That means we're on the most difficult slope, (laughs) and uh, it, was, it was a horrible day and I, and I was so tired and exhausted that night we got home to his place and uh, he talked about the morning and I didn't say anything but I had already decided forget that I'm going to take a pass tomorrow so he banged on my door early the next morning and said hey days are wasting come on let's hit the slopes I said you know what I'm going to pass Leroy forget it you know I've had enough of that for a while and uh, no come on you know and he persisted I relented, and we went up, and to my amazement, I could ski that next day. I mean, not professionally, but I mean, I, I really, I could do it. And I realized that I was so tired the night before, my muscles were just not responding, and, uh, but a new attempt, and I could do it. I'll share that with you, because maybe some of you can relate to that when it comes to prayer. He thought, I really tried that. But, you know, I just don't get the hang of it. I'm not into it. It's like a duty, a drudgery. But I want to encourage you this morning, hit the slopes again. Only this time, let's let Jesus be our instructor. Because he shares some things in Luke chapter 11 and other places that I think really can move prayer from a duty to a delight. And I just want you to have an open heart about that wherever you're at. In your prayer life, and you may not be uh, an intercessor that's going to spend hours a day in prayer, but your prayer life can be a wonderful opportunity to have a new relationship with your Father in heaven. Jesus, uh, in Luke chapter 11, well, here's how it begins. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. Well, what did the disciples of Jesus know about prayer? Who had they heard pray? Maybe they'd heard John's disciples talk about it. They certainly had heard rabbis recite prayers in the synagogues. When they came to Jerusalem, they probably saw Pharisees standing uh, in their regalia on street corners, uh, just lifting up maybe very ceremonial uh, and formal prayers publicly. They also, Jewish homes that they'd grown up in, had learned to pray at mealtimes, but they were rote prayers. Uh, they would, in all probability, uh, recite the Shema, which came out of the Law of Moses, Deuteronomy, uh, when they rose and when they, when they went to bed. I hear you, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. But, but these were like formal prayers. They were ritual prayers. But they'd been hanging around with Jesus. And Jesus' prayers were different. They knew that he would slip off regularly just to be alone in prayer. And they would notice the peace that he had even in most trying circumstances. They witnessed him before he fed a multitude or before he healed someone just lifting his eyes and talking to his father in a way that they'd never heard before. It was like he knew him personally. It was intimate and, and just so different. And it captured their hearts. And so one of them got up the courage to say, Lord, teach us to pray. And so I want to just set forth three things here that I can see that uh, he taught them uh, and us as he shared in response. He said to them, When you pray, oh, Jesus instructs us, it says in your outline, come as a child to a loving Father. Come as a child to a loving father. Because Jesus said to them, and us, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. That may not sound strange to us, but it really would have to them. He didn't address God, the mighty God of the universe, as Father. That was an intimate term in the Aramaic. It was Abba, which there was such a personal, it was dearest daddy is in essence what that meant. Everyone used that in their homes, but never of God. Back in 2010 when we were on a Holy Land trip, uh, our bus driver, just a great guy and got to know him. And I remember one morning his little boy came on the bus to greet him. And a little five-year-old kid, and he's running up the steps, Abba, Abba. And I thought, oh, that is so precious, just that bond, that trust and respect. And so Jesus is saying, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name, yes. And yet, we can address him as Daddy. That's amazing. In fact, it scandalized the Jews who heard him say that. Not the disciples, because they trusted Jesus, but the Jewish religious leaders, they thought, no way. That is presumptuous. In fact, in religions today, most, no religion, but uh, Christianity will address him as such because he's come near to us in Jesus and invited us to call him our Father. In Islam, oh, that'd be abhorrent. You would never speak to God in that way. But our God has come near in the person of Jesus and invited us to address him as such. Tim Keller, I think, has some insight in this. And, and I always, if I need something profound to say, I listen to Tim Keller in, on, a, on a podcast. And I thought he had something really uh, special to say about this. He reminds us how in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, in this same context, uh, said to his disciples, Don't keep on babbling as the pagans do. Uh, And other translations word it differently. Don't keep on uh, praying with many words as the Gentiles do. Same word, pagans, uh, Gentiles. It's translated from the word ethnico, which means we get the word ethnicity from that. What Jesus is saying is don't pray like those who don't know the one true God. Now, pagans didn't mean irreligious people pagans often were very religious they said lots of prayers in fact they thought they'd be heard jesus said for their many words but that's not the basis on which you pray you pray because you have a relationship with a god who is so close to you you can call him father even in well in tibet i know uh, they have prayer wheels where they put all these prayers in there and spin the wheels and think that that's going to bring uh, answers to their prayers because of the number of times the wheel goes around. Jesus said, don't pray like that. You have a personal relationship with God. And here's what Keller says. You you, you can come uh, to God on two different bases. Uh, one is more a business relationships. Uh, the other is personal relationship, family relationship. And uh, Jesus encourages us to come on the ladder. You see, in a business relationship, when you have with someone, it's, it's based on performance. If I do this, then you have to do this. If I pay this amount, you have to give these goods to me. But on a family relationship, no, it's a completely different situation. It, business is based on what I do for you. Family relationship is based on who I am to you. Jesus said, come on this basis, not on this one. And uh, then he uses the illustration of when you live in someone's house, you can live there basically for, in two different ways. One would be as a tenant, as a boarder, where you're paying rent. And if if you live as a boarder or tenant in someone's house, uh, you can have a good relationship with that person uh, if you pay the rent and that person does the maintenance that you feel like is needed to do. But it's based on performance. But when you live in someone's house as a child, uh, then it isn't based on your performance. Here, over here in business, um, you, you perform... Therefore, you're accepted. In a family, you're accepted. Therefore, you want to perform. See the difference there? And you can go to your father with your requests and know that you can go in confidence. Jesus said, don't go in a business relationship. You have a personal relationship if you accept me. So that changes everything. And when he said, When you pray, say, Father, or in Matthew 6, he said, Our Father. He didn't say, when you pray, say, Our King, though he is our King. He didn't even say, when you pray, say, Our Creator, though he is our creator. Not even our friend. He's our friend, too, but he's more than that. Because a friend, even that relationship has limitations. Because uh, uh, friends expect things from one another. But in a family, I mean, in probably in each of our families, we have at least one person that if they weren't part of our family, we wouldn't have anything to do with them. Is that true? But I, hey, she's my sister. What can I do? Or he's our son after all. And that's family. And we're family with God when we have opened our hearts to Jesus Christ. Paul really lays this out in his letters when he talks about how we're adopted into the family of God. And I know children that have been adopted out of horrible circumstances. Maybe they've been trapped in the foster system forever. Never really felt like they were cared about and loved. And then a family brings them into their home and loves that child. And and, and it's no longer conditional. You're our child. We love you. Wow, can you imagine the gratitude and love there? That's a full-fledged daughter or son. And that's what Christ has done for us as we come into the family of God. Richard Foster wrote a fantastic book called Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home. I pulled this out of our resource library. We've got a lot of great books in our resource library, by the way. And I want to share a few quotes out of here. Here's one of them. God receives us just as we are and accepts our prayers just as they are. In the same way that a child cannot draw a bad picture, so a child of God cannot offer a bad prayer. I believe that. If we come to our Father uh, with sincerity, it isn't our eloquence. It's not what he's looking for. He's looking for a heart that is open to him as a father. And that's what Jesus said, that when we come to him, don't pray like the people that are thinking they're going to be heard because of their many words. No, pray on the basis that he's your daddy and he wants to hear from you. He's waiting for you to come and just lay your heart out to him. Secondly, Jesus instructs us to persist with shameless audacity. He continues in his instructions here. It's a little condensed from Matthew 6, but he says, Pray, Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. So God wants us to come and lay our requests before him. And in Matthew it says, That for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And some people say, well, if he knows, no need to ask, right? No, that's not the point at all. He wants us to ask, and he wants us to ask regularly. He invites us to, because that's how a relationship is built. If you never talk to each other in your marriage, what kind of relationship would that be? When you stop talking, what happens to the relationship? Same way with your children. And our Father says, no, lay them before me. Come before me and uh, lay out these things. And, and your heart, our hearts will be changed in the process. If we're asking for his forgiveness, well, no, he said, well, you need to forgive as well. And so prayer changes us in the process as we get to know the heart of our Father. And He notice he says here, uh, that we're to pray, give us this day our daily bread. He didn't say, give us this day our weekly bread. Give us this day our monthly bread. No, because day by day, he wants us to depend upon him. Now, most of us know that we're going to have enough bread today, but this is just uh, symbolic of whatever our need is for the day. When you begin each day in prayer, think about what's happening that day. And ask the Lord to give you wisdom, guidance, and direction for whatever, whoever you're going to meet with, whatever your great need is, maybe it's a struggle, a temptation that day, whatever it is, Lord, today, would you give me what I need in this area? Foster says this, we assume prayer is something to master the way we master algebra or auto mechanics. That puts us in the on-top position where we are competent and in control. But when praying, we come underneath, where we calmly and deliberately surrender control and become incompetent. I don't know about you, but that's liberating for me. We don't have to master prayer. In fact, we can't. He's the master. And we come as children saying, Lord, these are my needs, and just share them from our heart. Thomas Merton of yesteryear said this, we do not want to be beginners at prayer, but let us be convinced of the fact that we will never be anything but beginners all our life. That's refreshing to realize we don't have to be uh, the great prayer warriors. We can admit, Lord, I'm a child. I need your help in this. Well, Jesus continues here. He says, uh, to them suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight says to him friend lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I've nothing to set before him that'd be disgraceful in the middle east by the way you you had to be a good host and anybody came to stay with you you needed like here in the islands you need to be ready and prepared and from inside he hears the answers he hear, he answers and says do not bother me the door has already been shut My children and my wife and I are watching The Voice, and we can't be bothered. Or we're in bed, and I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now this was a reluctant person who didn't want to give, wanted to stay in bed. But your father wants to provide what you need. And so Jesus encouraged us to be persistent. Another translation for that word is shameless. Be shameless in your request before God. Be Per- impertinent, on the, on the border of rude with him. It's okay. Let him know and come again and again and again with your request because he wants to know sometimes, are you serious? Uh, are, you cl- are you really committed to this? Y- you know, if someone to wait were to wake a king at 3 a.m. in the morning, that'd be a problem, wouldn't it? Unless... It was the child of the king coming in asking for a glass of water. That would be okay. And that's how our father asks us to come to him. We can pray with shameless audacity, boldly and continually persistent before him. then finally, Jesus instructs us to believe our father wants the best for us. Do you believe that? That he wants the best for us we see distortions because dads on earth are far from perfect and some are problematic, okay? And some have committed great evils. That's just the truth. But not our good Father in heaven who cares about and loves us so very much. Jesus said this, Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he's asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God is a good God and a good Father, and He wants the best for us. So, are we coming to Him as a tenant or as a child? if we come to him as a tenant and we have that kind of relationship and it's kind of a business relationship then we get the attitude God's not answering my prayers I'm doing my part trying to lead a moral life, I'm going to church I, I serve I, I even give in the collection plate he, he owes me well that's business relationship and then your prayers if they're not answered become cold and there's an anger, an underlying anger but if we come to him as a father, uh, and we're the child, there's a trust relationship. And we realize, I'm adopted into this family. I didn't even deserve to be in this family. And I'm just grateful to be here. Lord, here's my needs. And uh, sometimes if he doesn't answer our prayers, we can be angry. Okay. But we trust that he'll give us what we need, that his will is best for us, and that we he'll answer our prayers or what we should have prayed if we were as wise as he is because he's the dad and we're the child. And so there's a trust relationship when it's a family relationship as we come to him. I heard a story recently about a family who got a little kitten and uh, this family, in fact, uh, it was a pastor and his wife and little daughter Susie. And uh, he came home from the office one day to find His wife and Susie were a little distraught because the kitten had ran out the front door and climbed this tree. It wasn't a mature tree. It was a fairly young tree, but it was about 10 feet tall. They couldn't get up there, and to get the little kitten, it was scared up in the branches of that tree. And so the dad said, no problem. I think I can handle this. I'm going to back my car up here. I'm going to get a rope. I'm going to tie the rope to the tree and then to the bumper of my car, and I can... Drive away, and it'll bend down, and you get the kitty when it comes down. And they said, great, Daddy to the rescue. So he backs his car up there, ties the rope to that, the sapling, and he starts driving away slowly, slowly. It's bending, bending, and snap. And there goes the kitten. Gone, you know. It's like, oh, well, every story doesn't have a happy ending. But about two weeks later, the pastor makes a call on uh one of his parishioners who's about three houses down and uh he walks in the house and there in the hallway was that little kitten his daughter's little kitten it was unmistakable but he didn't want to say you got my kitty he instead he said well that's a nice kitten and she said yeah pastor it's it's amazing you know let me tell you what happened my daughter anna and i were out in the garden here about two weeks ago and uh She's pestering me about a little kitten. Mommy, Mommy, can't we have a little kitten? I said, no, no, we've had that conversation before. We're not going to have a little kitten. But she continued to pester me about this. I didn't know what else to say. So I said, okay, well, let's pray about it. And, and, uh, and let's kneel right here. And if Jesus wants us to have a kitten, he'll send us a kitten. You're not going to believe what happened. <laughs> Well, sometimes God answers our prayers in amazing ways. But sometimes he doesn't in the way that we would hope. And so as children, as a child, we trust him to say, okay, God, I believe you answer my prayer. Maybe it's yes. Maybe it's wait. Maybe it's no. That wouldn't be best for me. Or maybe it's if. You want me to change this in my heart or in my life and get right with you in this area by the way sometimes uh he says no jesus didn't say when you pray say our grandpa you know but our father if we if god were a grandpa to us he'd say whatever you want (laughs) (laughs) A, a, a tenth soda for the day No, you don't have to do your homework. Let's go fishing, okay? But no, it's our Father, and uh, we come to realize He knows best, and He has the best in mind for us. So let me just read you something out of Foster, and then I'll share a few quotes with you. This came right out of this book. It says, ready for that one. Uh, We today yearn for prayer and hide from prayer. We are attracted to it and repelled by it. We believe prayer is something we should do, even something we want to do, but it seems like a chasm stands between us and actually praying. We're not quite sure what holds us back. In reality, there are a number of some things preventing us, one that needs our immediate attention. And Okay, here it is. Now let's bring this quote up. There is the notion, almost universal among us modern high achievers, that we have to have everything just right in order to pray. That is, before we can really pray, our lives need some fine-tuning. Or we need to know more about how to pray. But we're starting from the wrong end of things. Putting the cart before the horse. In other words, we need to start praying and getting to know our Father and uh, seeking His direction for our lives and laying our requests before Him. And we'll learn. In this relationship, we can just pray. This week... In our belief series, we'll be reading about prayer. I really encourage you, be reading through that chapter on prayer. Just take some time each morning and read. And then we'll be attending Ohana groups where we'll be talking about prayer. But you know what else we need to do? Pray. So each morning, let me encourage you to just begin with the word and with prayer and spend some time just talking to your Father in heaven. Build that relationship. Some of you have a deep relationship. Some of you, uh, maybe it's been a little marginal. Some of you, maybe just getting to know him. But let's, let's go deeper. Let's just talk to him from our hearts. Lay our day before him, our requests before him. Pray for others. Just uh, tell him how much you love him. By the way, a tenant is never going to praise the landlord too much, but a child will adore a father. And so take time just to let him know why you love him and how much you appreciate him because you have that kind of relationship with him. So begin your day with prayer and then punctuate your day with prayer. Just breath prayers. Pray for the people around you as you go through your day. You're going into a meeting. Ask God for wisdom for that. Got a tough situation. Just pray about that. Teach your children to pray. Pray with them in mealtimes. Pray with them at bedtime. And then listen to them. And listen to your father when you pray as well. So let's Make it a habit. Let's act this out because your Father wants to know you in a more personal, intimate, and relational way. Our Father who art in heaven. Let's bow. Lord, we are grateful that you are our Father, that we're in this family. We love you, and uh, we are grateful for your love for us, your desire to know us, your desire to direct our lives, And to hear and to answer our prayers. Help us, Lord, to become a people of prayer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.